Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Two Feet Apart with me, your host, Peachy Patrick. Today, we have a special guest. Her name is Peyton. She currently attends McMaster University, and she's an advocate for systemic change in as many ways as possible. Peyton, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm in my third year at McMaster University. I'm currently studying human behavioral science with an autism specialization. Um, and at you know, half the time I'm advocating for as much change as possible, be it on social media, be it through the university, um, through the OUA, the Ontario University Athletics, whatever ways I can. And that's been pretty much consuming my life for the past year and a bit. So it's been my passion for sure. That's incredible. What inspired you to go to post-secondary for that? Um, so I actually, it's funny you asked that. I didn't plan on doing this at all when I joined McMaster for this. I wanted to go and be a lawyer. I wanted to do something different. But then I came across this program and I always knew I wanted to help people. And I thought, you know, this would be an amazing way to help people. So while I have my foot in the door in one sense here, I'm kind of finding my passion in a completely other sense, you know, the other side of things where I'm like, you know, I really want to fight for human rights and human justice. And that's kind of where I, my path is taking me right now. So though I do want to help people I'm finding that more and more I want to help people in the sense of creating systemic change so that could be where I end up after school for sure but I'm not really sure where my path is taking me right now but either way I know I want to help people I love that and I love that it's something that you're super passionate about I think that's so important um, what kind of sparked that you know your decision to fight for that systemic change because it's hard it is hard. It's a lot. And it's scary. You know, mm -hmm. there's so many people against you, but really there's so many people with you. And the main thing that I've realized with this is that I'm not alone. And I think that's kind of what's been helping me to go forth with this more and more and more. Um, the main thing has been, I've realized that I'm at this massive institution, you know, one of the highest ranked schools in the world. I think it's 66, something like that. And there is so little advocacy for Black and BIPOC students here. There's such a little voice and such a small platform for us. And there are so many things that are being discarded and swept under the rug time and time again, where I'm like, you know what, enough is enough. This is too much. I can't be here. I'm sorry, my dog's in the background. I can't it's be okay. here with um, going to a school that doesn't even care about me. And moreover, I don't want to leave here knowing that more students are going to be coming here facing the same things that myself, as well as many other students have been facing. So I realized it was time for change. And I don't really have any position in the university to do this, but I decided to make my own platform to do so. So I've been kind of forging my own path with this. Amazing. And it's been so interesting to follow along because I was never, um, like, I know a lot of yours is like athlete based and things like that. And I was never an athlete in post-secondary and I really just kind of was super unassociated with the school and I just kind of went and came home and did what I had to do. Um, would you be open to sharing some of the examples or experiences that you faced that you're trying to fight to kind of not a race but uh to get justice for absolutely so um the first thing is you know my main focus at first was in athletics um, because i am in that world so predominantly and with that i actually started creating the survey that went out to all ontario university athletics um, athletes that are bipoc um, 
assessing mental health and well-being in the athletic environment because I realized, you know, there's no support for us specifically for BIPOC student athletes. Um, we're suffering, you know, being a member of the BIPOC community, I say it a bunch of times, is at times a 24-7 mental health crisis. And it doesn't turn off the second that you walk into the change room or put your cleats on. It's there all the time. It follows you home. It follows you back home from practice. And I've been realizing, you know, there are microaggressions that happen in the change room. There are just little things that add up where you realize, you know, that's not right. This isn't okay. This isn't how I should be feeling in my own change room. And when I started being more vocal about it, there were so many other people that were like, oh my gosh, this and this has been happening, but I didn't think it was important because nobody's made a big deal about it or nobody's changed anything about it. Um, and then I started realizing, well, this expands much farther than just in the athletic department. This is the entire university. I mean, really it's the whole world, but mm -hmm. I can't change the world. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that on my own. So right now I'm kind of looking around, I'm asking people for feedback, you know, what are your experiences? What's going on? For me, there's been so many microaggressions, but more than anything, the main thing has been being silenced by the university, being discarded, you know, being attacked online for my race and for other people's races and completely being gaslit by those people in the university. So that's been a big thing. It really goes to show and it speaks volumes about the ways in which people don't care and the ways in which change needs to be made. So it really started from athletics, but now is sprouting a lot farther than that. Mm -hmm. What are some of the supports that you'd like to see being put into place? A big one for me is specifically BIPOC mental health supports. Um, you know, we have counseling services on campus, but we don't have anyone specifically for BIPOC students or student athletes. And there's a very big difference between, you know, just struggling with any mental health issues, but also having on top of that, dealing with racism, dealing with traumatization, dealing with all the other issues that come with being a member of the BIPOC community. And as sad as it is to say that, because, you know, being BIPOC is so rewarding. It's amazing. It's something to be honored. But at the same time, there are so many baggages that come with it that aren't supported. And that's a very big thing for me. Another thing would be, you know, having an actual team at the university that says, we hear you, we stand by you, instead of just putting out statements in equity and diversity, actually acting on what they're trying to say and acting on their statements. You know, if something happens, what's going to happen to that student? What's going to happen to the person that acted out in a racially aggressive way against me or against somebody else? Because so far, it seemed like nothing's been happening. You know, I want actual task forces. I want support, that kind of stuff. That's mm -hmm. my dream. Yeah, and I completely agree with all of that. And the mental health thing is so important. And it's such a crucial difference that unless you're in the situation, you don't realize how impactful it is. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, what are challenges that you currently face with doing this kind of work and advocating for these issues? Oh, so many. Um, the main thing is gaslighting and feeling invalidated. You know, like I said, there are so many people that support me. And the other day when I released my survey, when I sent out that email and posted all that stuff on social media, I was faced with so much support. But at the same time, you have the institutions like McMaster invalidating you, asking you to take it down, not acknowledging it, not acting on it. You have other people that are responding to my survey, you know, telling me to commit suicide, telling me to stop being a beep, you know, <laughs> telling mm -hmm. me to stop being so weak and so stupid because none of this exists. 
so many things. The main thing is definitely invalidation. And I think that is something that is so deterring for so many people. You know, that's why people don't take it a step further. That's why people don't mm -hmm. want to do these things because, you know, it seems like maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm being the quote unquote angry black woman that everybody's telling me that I am. Maybe I am taking this too far. Maybe oppression really doesn't exist against black people because some random person online told me that the other day, mm -hmm. you know? So that's the biggest thing. And it's so traumatizing. It really takes such a toll on you because it's more than just words. It gets in your head. It's a psychologically taxing thing that is really deterring. So that's something that I've been having to work through getting past. And I've had a really good support team, luckily, but that's been very difficult for sure. I can imagine. And I find that um, even for me personally, with the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that occurred within the past year, I had a lot of these conversations with people online and 50% of people were, you know, checking in, asking how they could educate themselves, looking for resources, that kind of stuff. And then there's the other side of people that are like, well, it's all just the media. It's not actually real. And I'm like, have you experienced it as a white man? No. Um, exactly. But just kind of, there's this constant back and forth. And at first, I definitely thought that it was in my position and my role to be responsible for educating them. And so, you know, for those people that looked for resources, I would provide them and all of this. And then, you know, when it came to those other people, I would try my best to kind of advocate for what the facts were and just kind of to take my emotions out of it and talk about it with them. But mm -hmm. then I find that that burnout comes quickly and all of a sudden you're that black person that apparently speaks for all BIPOC people and you apparently can advocate for everyone's experiences and everyone's necessary, necessary resources and stuff like that. Um, so I'm curious, now I kind of set the boundary. And so I just say, you know, this is not something I'm currently discussing um, and stuff like that. And if it's someone that I know or something and they want to talk about it and I'm in the headspace, I will. Um, but typically now I try to protect myself from that just because it becomes such a tolling thing. Um, mm -hmm. How do you address comments and messages and stuff like that, especially with your open advocation of everything? It's a good question. You know, I've experienced the same thing where at first I was like, I want everybody to know this. I want everybody to be on board, this and this and this. And then of course people are coming to me, how can I be a better ally? And while that's a great question, it's hard because it's like, I can't teach you that. You have to take the time to learn yourself. You know, the other day when I sent out that big statement against McMaster University, somebody messaged me and though it was a kind message, they were like, can you educate me on what's going on? Because I want to know better. I want to know more about what's going on. Maybe I'm missing something, maybe, but I don't know what the statement is about. And I didn't have it in me. I reached that mm -hmm. burnout. Um, and so with that, I've been trying to set boundaries, you know, posting what I can on social media that's kind of directed to whoever wants to read it because I realize that it's important to understand that I can't educate everybody. I have a really good quote in my phone that's pretty much saying, you know, um, some people won't hear you no matter how loudly or how profoundly you speak because they don't want to. And I've really had to take that into heart because before it was, well, I'm saying this and these are good. You need to hear this. You need to want to hear this. I'm speaking this truth. But it doesn't matter. Some people just don't want to know, or some people won't get what you're trying to say. So I realize whatever I put out there, 
it take it or leave it pretty much you know i'm setting those boundaries where what i'm putting out on my social media what i'm speaking my truth about take it as it is you can ask some questions but i'm not here to be your teacher i'm not here to hold your hand through this it's up to you to be the better ally it's up to you to make that change and make that difference so it's really been hard to set that boundary because like you said you know you want to change everybody's perspective you want to help people but i have to take a step back from that sometimes Absolutely. And I think it's so important to start to put those boundaries and to be able to advocate for yourself in that way. Um, And in terms of that, do you have methods of self-care that you do um, or like routines that you kind of follow to kind of keep yourself grounded and at peace through all of this? So it's funny you say that because I've actually had to figure out some self-care techniques lately. I've been pretty bad with that actually because it's consuming. It is, especially when you get on that high of advocating and, you know, speaking your truth and putting stuff out there when everybody's rallying behind you, you lose track of, oh my gosh, I need to take care of my mental health right now. I need to reground myself. A really important thing for me has always been positive affirmations, whether it be for mental health or whether it be being BIPOC. And I've started really trying to figure out ways that I can join the two together. And so on my Instagram, I've been creating little things, you know, all of my posts are either advocating for change or for racial awareness or also mental health awareness. And I've kind of been combining the two together. And those are like my little self-care things, you know, making affirmations, making, you know, I'm safe within my skin those kinds of things. That kind of thing is really calming to me, but it's also a good reminder that I am safe within my skin, that I am here, that I'm grounded, that I'm okay, that what I'm doing is right. Um, those are important, you know, journaling my thoughts, that kind of stuff, regrounding, recentering myself, things like that. Just taking the time to kind of put my phone down, especially turn Instagram off, <laughs> mm-hmm. especially the last few days and separating myself from the media as hard as it is and just recentering my thoughts and how I feel about these situations. Those are, I think, the best things for me for self-care. That's such a good idea. And I love the little things that you've been sharing on Instagram. (laughs) I always like send them to like my family group chat. I'm like, here guys. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, they're awesome. And do you just find them randomly online? Is that... Sometimes, um, all the things that I post on my page though, I actually make. Um, so I kind of just come up with an idea and then I'll post them. Um, so I've been making a lot of them recently, but some things on my stories, you know, I'll find from change or impact or feminist. Those are good pages or, um, green girl, Leah, you know, some very strong advocates for BIPOC communities, um, that I follow on Instagram that I'm just amazed with every day. Those are the things that I share, but everything that I posted on my page, I've been creating, which is also an act of self-care, definitely. Yeah, I think especially that creative outlet is such a good way to be able to process things and to be able to kind of step back from, um, just to step back from it and look at it from different perspectives. Yeah, that's been it's been hard, you know, it's hard to put yourself in the shoes where you can kind of step back and look at everything, not just from your own lens, but from other people's lenses. But the most amazing thing to me is hearing such strong and outspoken people on Instagram that are so educated about these topics. And it's just so enlightening where it's, wow, I have so much more to learn about this. There are so many other, you know, views that I didn't think of. And it's also so easy to be caught up on one side of the story you know even when Mm -hmm. i was putting out this survey i had other people that were like okay but you should also put out a survey for only 
white people to see their thoughts on these things too. And I was like, wow, I didn't even think of that because it's hard because you don't want to be, you know, just fighting against one side over and over again. I realized that there has to be a common sense of neutrality between both sides if you want to achieve a common goal, really. And taking a step back and really looking at both sides, all different angles is what's so important. And that's something that I've had to remind myself to do and to continue to educate myself. You know, it's easy to think, oh, I know everything. I don't need to do anything else. But I'm constantly unlearning biases. I'm constantly learning new things about different people, about different situations. And really taking that time to reflect on different points of view and different things that are going on, you know, in the world, that's the most all-encompassing, um, important thing that I could possibly do and that anybody could do, really. Yeah, and I think that's such a good, it's a good tool to have, like, in your belt and to be aware of, and mm -hmm. just even that self-awareness of recognizing, like, no, I need to focus on this right now. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's very important. There's a lot that goes into it. It's very taxing, you know, and it's hard because sometimes you have to shut it off. But I find myself at night, I'm dreaming about the new things that I can do. I'm dreaming about creating change. This is my passion. So I can't really turn it off. Even when I'm doing schoolwork, I'm like, oh, I should send an email or, oh, I want to make a survey. You know, the other day when I created these things, it was five minutes to write that email. It was 10 minutes to make the survey because mm -hmm. it was like, I have to do it right now. I can't wait. I can't do my schoolwork. I can't take my notes. I want to do it right now. And it's hard mm -hmm. to turn that off sometimes. Absolutely. And do you find that this has been, um, because I imagine like it's one of those things that you probably like, I'm the type of person that I lay in bed and I'm like, oh my God, I have this idea. I have to act on it right now. Um, mm -hmm. And then of course, that's all I talk about 90% of the time because yep. that's just how it is. Uh, do you find that that affects your relationships um, in your personal life? I do in mainly good ways, but I have to catch myself sometimes. It's very consuming. And sometimes when this stuff is happening, it's all I want to talk about, especially when I've, you know, like you said, when I come up with a new idea, that's all that I want to talk about, especially because the way my brain works is the more that I talk about it, the more I can figure things out, the more I can put ideas together. And with certain people, you know, I have to realize there's a time and place and this isn't a time nor a place nor a person to discuss this with. So certain people, I definitely shut it off but I'm very fortunate that all of my friends are so supportive they're amazing they want to learn they want to be better allies they want to be educated they want to be here um, they want to be listening to me you know my friends and family everybody they're so good with that so I'm very fortunate but it does affect it in a way where sometimes I'm like uh, I want to talk about this or uh, this is pressing you know this is bothering me but yeah, it's definitely hard to turn it off sometimes. But again, I am fortunate that I don't need to turn it off and I don't have to code switch. Mm -hmm. um, where do you see this taking you in a few years? So this is very, what I want to do is I want to create change. I want to fight for human rights. Whatever it is, I'm so passionate about fighting for human rights, for the lives of Black and BIPOC people Mm -hmm. But I don't even know what that's going to be, you know? Part of yeah. me was like, maybe I'll go to law school and I'll study human rights law. Maybe I'll go here. Maybe I'll do that. And so now I'm trying to build as many connections as I can, reach out to as many people as I can. And I'm luckily getting my foot in the door with a lot of the stuff that I'm doing where I'm like, okay, hopefully something will come out of this. But I know whatever it is that I'm doing, I won't be working a nine to five in an office. I know that for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know I will be forging my own path where I'm 
constantly fighting for and creating as much change as possible. I know in my heart that that's what I'm destined to do. And I know that that's the only route for me. That's what I have to do. No matter what it takes, by any means necessary, as Malcolm X said, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And I love that. And I love that for you, that you found something that you're both really good at and you're so passionate about. And you it's just dri- a driving force. Um, and you can tell, even as you talk about it, you can hear that kind of the intensity in like a really good way, um, about all of this. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) I have a fire in me for sure. I love to see it. I love to see it in people. It's my favorite thing. Like you ever sit with someone and then you get them talking about something they're passionate about and you just sit back and watch. Mm -hmm. It's like magic. I love it. It is. Um, do you have like a motto or a piece of advice or something that you carry with you through all of this? My main one has always been um, resilience, you know, stay resilient. Um, I've learned that about myself, that I am a lot more resilient than I've ever realized. And to me, that's something so important is no matter what comes your way, you keep fighting, you keep standing tall, you keep pushing, you're still here. As hard as it's been, you've made it through everything that you've been through. You are so resilient. I'm so resilient. We are all so resilient. And that's the biggest thing for me, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, there's a typical cliche, keep your head high, you know, keep your head up, that kind of stuff. But definitely staying resilient is the biggest thing for me. Um, and especially in spite of any adversity that comes your way, any invalidation, any gaslighting. Um, keep fighting, keep pushing, keep fighting the good fight, do whatever you can to keep the ball moving, you know, that kind of stuff. That's the biggest thing for me. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's so, so refreshing to have people that are, they recognize that, yeah, this is a struggle, but I can work through it and I can get Mm -hmm. through this. Um, Do you have like role models in the space um, that you kind of look up to? Um, I have a bunch of accounts that I follow on Instagram that are girls that are my age that are just across the world doing their own things. You know, um, one of them, I think I mentioned earlier is Green Girl Leah. She's amazing. Um, She has a strong Instagram platform. She advocates for Um, environmental advocacy, but also for BIPOC environmental advocacy. She's so outspoken and so smart, those kinds of people. But another person that I have to say that I look up to and admire is um, a coach in my school. His name is Coach Corey Grant. And he's the reason why I've actually been able to do all the stuff that I'm doing now. He's the one that kind of gave me the platform that I have. He's the reason why I keep going. He's so supportive. You know, I have so many good mentors and so many good support systems. Um, Coach Leanna Olsay from Saint effects. She's another amazing mentor that I have, you know, just people that I'm meeting along the way are lights in my life (laughs) that I'm so thankful for. So these are the people that really keep me going. And if anything, I owe so much to them. Mm -hmm. I love that you have those kind of role models and those supports that you can kind of look up to and that help you along with this work, because it would be so hard to do just on your own. Absolutely. Yeah. It would be impossible, really. It takes a village. We're all in this together. And 
change can't happen just from one person. It has to be full of momentum. It has to be full of fire and passion. It has to be full of people that want the same change that you do. And by having the same people on my path that want the same change that I do, I've been so fortunate to have this momentum and to see so many amazing change makers and to meet so many amazing change makers. But it takes far more than one person and far more than just an idea. It takes actual action. It takes actively being anti-racist instead of passively non-racist. Mm -hmm. So what would you say if someone decided that, you know, say they randomly come across this episode and they're like, you know what, she's right. I want to fight for this where I attend school or where I work um, or just in my community because I'm passionate about this too. And she's got a good point. How would you say they could even start to go about that? What would be a good starting place? I think a big thing for me was, well, I was lucky enough where we started having, um, in the midst of the Black Lives Matter movement in the summer, for athletics, a lot of the Black and BIPOC student athletes had these little panels where we would just get together and talk and be like, this is what's going on, this is how I feel. Things like that are where you get your foot in the door. That's where you gain momentum. If you hear of a panel coming up, if you hear of a community event, get involved in the community. Start speaking your truth on social media. Social media, I think, is the biggest way to network. Um, that's where I've made so many connections on there from sharing my platform, from people coming across my page and coming across my posts. Start speaking your truth. Be unapologetic about it. You know, If there's anything that you can be involved in at school, any small clubs, start speaking your truth there, start getting involved, get your foot in the door, wherever you can, any little piece, you know, my dad always says, it's not about what you know, but it's about who you know. And mm -hmm. any connection that you can possibly make, start making those connections, bug the crap out of them, whatever it takes, just get your name known, get your foot in the door. That's my biggest advice. Unfortunately, I don't have any solid advice because it's kind of weird how I've gotten to where I am. It kind of mm -hmm. just happened. But that's the biggest thing is any connections that you can possibly make, hold on to them and cherish those. Yes, I totally agree. And it's the same here when people ask, you know, career wise, or even um, with some of the stuff that I've done for Two Feet Apart and stuff like that, people ask and I'm like, I, I just fell into it. Like it's the people I know. And then I was like, I'm going to pursue this and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, those connections are so important. And I keep trying to tell like even my younger brother and like family members and like friends and stuff like that. Like it's not solely about your education. It's majority about who you know and how you use those connections to the best of your ability. Exactly. And sometimes it's unfortunate, you know, you work so hard to get these great and this and this but you know it can almost be political where it's like yeah well this person knows this person so they're going to get the job or they're going to get here but at the same time it's about utilizing all of your assets with what you know and who you know on top of that in order to propel yourself even further you know you can't just rely on who you know but it's combining everything that you have and bringing it to the table and saying listen I know you this is what I have to offer this is what I want to do this is my passion what can you do for me pretty much and that's mm -hmm. kind of the approach that I've been starting to take um, a little passively sometimes you know it's scary to do that but yeah um, nonetheless that's definitely what's been getting me where I am I respect that because yeah that's especially when you're younger and it's it's hard because you're like, well, people take me seriously. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, large institutions take me seriously. You know, mm -hmm. they're 
um, talking to administration. I have these big, important people in front of me. And I'm like, I'm just a small girl from Cambridge, Ontario. Who am I to be telling them what to do and what's not right? But you have to put that aside. At the end of the day, what are you so scared of? What am I so scared of? You know, you have nothing to lose. I have nothing to lose. If mm -hmm. I speak my truth, I speak my truth and I'm doing what I know is right. I'm doing what I know I need to do. And so it's about putting yourself out there in the way that you are comfortable with, but the way that you know is going to make yourself a force to be reckoned with. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I wish that I could play this on repeat for some people <laughs> so they <laughs> could hear some of this and just kind of understand that these concepts are, it's things that really aren't very taught in school. Um, no. Which I wish they were, but I find them so important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so if you could share one message to everyone universal, universally, regardless of race, age, social status, what would it be? That's a good one. I would say it is that you are an important person in this world. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, you are doing enough. You are fighting. It is hard enough to be here as it is to make your way through life. And I'd say you are a very important person in this world. And I'm thankful for you, wherever you are, whoever you are, even if I don't know you, you are important to me. Ooh, we love those words of affirmation. <laughs> um, what about your story do you think is important for other people to hear? I think now I'll tie this into some of my stories with mental health. I've, that's always been a very big thing for me. I've always mm -hmm. struggled with mental health. I'm surprised sometimes that I'm even where I am today. Um, and with that, I bring back the resiliency thing. I've gone through a lot. I fought through a lot. And I look mm -hmm. around and I see so many other people that are going through so much as well. And you don't even know it. You know, everybody is going through so much and you have no idea, but everybody is so strong and so resilient around me. And if anything, I want to just be an example of resilience. I want people to see, you know, if I can get through this, you can get through this. We can all do this together. I want people to see that you don't have to be this big famous person to get people's attention or to make change. You can be a small girl from a small town who didn't know anybody coming into university and is now fighting with administration to make change, who is now fighting with large institutions to advocate for more change. You know, you don't have to have this power behind you. You can do it. You have the ability within you. Mm -hmm. More words of affirmation. I love it. <laughs> it's <laughs> my favorite. Good. Um, is there anything that you're currently working on or trying to wait? I mean, this is with the whole episode, um, but that you're currently working on or trying to raise awareness for? Yeah, so I actually just recently, unfortunately, I had to take it down, but I will get into that. Um, I created a survey for all Black and BIPOC students at McMaster um, to discuss their um, experiences with discrimination, with racism, with microaggressions, to bring to light how bad it is to administration. I didn't want to bash the university. I didn't want to take it to the media, but I wanted them to say, listen, this is what, like, this is what's going on. This is the issue here. What are we going to do about this? Um, so that was a big thing for me. Unfortunately, um, it had to be taken down for a couple of reasons, but I do have a lot of data that I'm collecting and I'm going to still put into a report. Uh, even if they don't want to see it, I'm going to shove it in their face. <laughs> I'm going to make them see it. I'm going to make it known. And at 
the same time, I'm also working on research on my own for the OUA that I kind of mentioned before. Um, that's another survey. And then I'm going to be doing interviews, you know, qualitative research to follow up on that, to put into a big report that will hopefully actually be published um, on the effects that being a BIPOC student athlete can have on mental health, especially with lack of support. So those are my main things. Um, I'm constantly trying to find new ways to advocate and get my foot in the door for whatever change that I can possibly make. But those are my babies right now. Mm-hmm. And did you want to talk about you having to take down the survey and what kind of happened there? I was trying to follow along on your Instagram, but of course, sometimes you just have to keep things more vague. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had a meeting with a member of administration and at first they were like, I'm going to ask you to hold off on this, which is, you know, keyword for it. Take it down now. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first I was kind of like, ah, mm, no, <laughs> but we can yeah. talk about it. Um, and at first, you know, I was like, I'm not taking this down. There's no way I'm doing this. But then I was politely reminded in the meeting with them to not burn my bridges, especially with somebody of such power in the university. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to be strategic about this. I'm going to be graceful, as gracious as I can, and take this down. But I'm going to hold on to the data and I'm going to do what I can with it regardless. Um, And luckily now, I am still being part of the committee where I'm going to be reviewing their survey that they're putting out and I'm going to be analyzing their data that they collect. I kind of forced my way into that because I was like, well, if I'm taking this down, what, pretty much, what can you do for me? What am I going to be doing? And they were like, Mm -hmm. what? (laughs) I was like, what am I going to be doing? You know, what am I still going to be part of? So no matter what it is, you can't silence me. I've reminded them from the beginning that I'm in this for the long haul and I won't be silent. So whatever it takes, you know, it sucks. And it was a little defeating at first, but I'm still in it and I'm still fighting for whatever I can. I love that fire and that compromise that comes with it, you know, recognizing like, okay, I'll, I'll take a step back and I'll be graceful, but I'm still going to get what I want because I'm still mm-hmm. going to fight for it. Exactly. Yeah. So My good. parents were a little stressed out, but. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yes. I bet. Um, so I'll include the links to all of this below and you can feel free to put in surveys and whatnot, but where can listeners best find or support you? Um, Definitely on my Instagram. It is my name. So it's just at Peyton Shank. Um, That's where I'm the most active. That's where anybody can, you know, you can email me on there. You can reach out to me. You can follow along with my journey. Um, Definitely Instagram is the best place. Perfect. So I'll include that below. Thank you so, so much for joining us, sharing all of your wisdom, all of these juicy words of affirmation, um, and just kind of reminding people that you can light that fire in yourself and you can keep that going. Thank you so much for having me. It has been so much fun. I was so excited for this. I told everybody, oh my gosh, I'm being hosted on this podcast. (laughs) I love it. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate being here.